All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kirchick's Corner for all things customer experience. Um, I am your host, Jeff Kirchick, VP of Sales at Excel Technologies. And today I'm joined by a special guest I've known for, uh, well, really a while and kind of like at the beginning of my experience within uh, the CX world. Uh, we met when he was at, at MindBody. He's now at, at Textile. He's been in uh, customer experience space for couple decades now. He consults about it. He's written a book about his thoughts on customer experience, and he's currently at uh, Textile, uh, which is a, uh, a very recognizable large uh, e-commerce and, and retail brand. Um, I would like to welcome Artie Kosboom. How are you doing today? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, thanks, everyone, for taking time to, to listen to the episode today. And Thanks for the warm intro. Yeah, as you, as you said, I've been in the contact center industry for about two decades now. Um, started at a company called MindBody Online. I was actually one of the, the first uh, couple employees. I think I was in, in the first 10 employees before we even started counting how many employees were at the company. Um, and I started taking phone calls in tech support. So Started from the from the bottom, um, taking calls. Eventually became a supervisor, then a team lead, then a manager, senior manager, and then all the way up to senior director. And then oversaw the operations as MindBody went public. Um, then I, I slowly went down to uh, Los Angeles from San Luis Obispo, so migrated south in California. Uh, started at a company after my, my big success with MindBody, I started with a company called Cornerstone On Demand, uh, which is also a software as a service organization here in Santa Monica. Um, they do LMS learning management systems and helped with the global footprint of, of that company um, who was post IPO and, and brought a lot of experience with cloud and technology. And then uh, finally, landing here, my nine to five job, uh, as you said, Jeff, I'm at Textile Fashion Group, which we're uh, rebranding to Textile OS. Textile is a conglomerate of six different fashion brands, e-commerce uh, e online fashion brands like Fabletics, Shootazzle, Just Fab, Savage X Fenty, and Fab Kids, um, where we partner with celebrities to launch fashion brands for men and women and, and children. And um, and help with their membership and, and support needs on the customer service side. I know that's a mouthful, but uh, that was that's a little background of who I am and, and what where I came from. Fantastic. And how did you fall into this uh, this space? You've been doing this for a while. You clearly really enjoy it. Um, you know, at MindBody, you were there for seven and a half years. Now at Textile, you've been there for over four years. Um, what is it that gets you excited about CX? How'd you get into it? And like, what makes you motivated to continue the practice today? Yeah, great, great question. I would say my origin story is kind of a unique one. Um, before MindBody, I used to work at and run a sport fishing um, boat practice out of Avila Beach. So uh, waking up really early, boarding people onto a sport fishing boat, 20 to, to 40 people on that boat, and going fishing all day and what you don't think about when you when you think about a fishing boat and people on board going fishing all day and having fun is you don't think about the the deckhands and the captains actually focusing on customer experience because you've got people who you know some people who it's their first time out on the open ocean you have people who have never fished before people who don't know how to tie fishing lines things like that when they catch a fish what do they do 
uh, how do they get it on board? All of these complex things that come come out during you know an eight hour day. Um, so that's really where I fell in love with customer service. Um, I, I realized very quickly it was less about um, the phishing itself and more about teaching people how to do something. You know, it's, it's better to teach someone how to catch a fish than to actually catch it for them and give it to them. So that's where the, my origin story is. I, I eventually went into the technology field and helped with software as a service and basically did, took those practices and did the same customer experience and customer service practices over the phone helping support people who have never uh, logged into uh, a software as a service tool and help them with training and onboarding and help them essentially run their, their health and wellness businesses through, through MindBody Online. So that's where I, I kind of started. Um, in recent years, I've uh, pivoted my focus to be, a, uh, it's still customer experience driven, but be a little bit less focused on in helping individuals uh, instead helping whole organizations and helping large cohorts of customers and members. So changing the focus to being an individual contributor and helping on those individual uh, use cases and into how can I help uh, large organizations that have complex global problems uh, automate, streamline, use artificial intelligence to uh, enable essentially better customer service, which is also the title of the book that I wrote that came out about three, uh, three years ago. Actually, I would like to talk about the book. I was going to save it for later, but now, now it seems like a better time than ever since you, since you brought it up. What, you know, what was the impetus to, to write a book? I think there's a lot of people who are very intimidated about writing a book. They feel like it's a very hard thing to do. Um, obviously, you'd have to be very motivated to decide to go and do it. Uh, what motivated you to write a book? Um, what's the book about? What are the big takeaways? Yeah, also a great question. It was really two things. One was um, I was turning 35, so I wanted to complete some sort of large uh, milestone in my life before 35, something to look back on and eventually, you know, when I have kids, uh, show them that I accomplished that and that, you know, anything's, you could accomplish anything if you have time, energy, and the, and the general know-how. Uh, and, it, and in this day and age with Amazon and self-publishing and uh, Google, where you can literally search for anything in the world, uh, it's, it's rather easy to, to put information together and publish it. It's, it's all about um, having the patience and the time and the energy and the dedication to do that. So that's, that's kind of one, uh, one reason. The other reason was that about four years ago, I realized that um, based off of the successes that I had at MindBody and helping them scale from uh, three customer service agents to uh, 500 customer service agents and going public at the same time, that people were asking for my advice and opinion. Um, and, and specifically around customer experience and how do you do that with, with tech support? How do you do that with complex tool sets needs like uh, WFM tool set needs and IVR and ACD tool, tool set needs? And then how do you do automation and, and how do you integrate things together? And I realized that I was having the same conversation over and over and over again with uh, peers and colleagues in the same space. So what, what was preventing myself from just having those conversations over and over again? I, I felt like I wasn't able to reach out to more than just the two or three or 10 people that I was talking to at a time. So I decided to 
put it down in a book. Um, and when these conversations come up, I, I still continue to have those individual uh, conversations. I, I call that consulting or advising, but I also like to send them a copy of my book so that they can digest a lot of the information that I've collected over the years uh, in their own time. So those were the two uh, reasons why I wrote the book. And a um, little background of what it is, it's essentially a book about how to focus on enabling better customer service. Um, so everything's customer service driven within the book. It's a very whimsical book. Each chapter has a theme. The first uh, third of that chapter really has a personal story or, or something that's whimsical or something that's, that's fun. Um, I, I tend to take from a lot of other authors that uh, are much better at writing than I am. Uh, people like Malcolm Gladwell from Outliers. And what I, what I like to do is tell a story that's fun and whimsical and engaging, and then also infuse some business insight that I may have or I may collected from other people um, over, over the years. For example, I, I quote a lot of Simon Sinek. Um, I also uh, talk a lot about the effortless experience and um, reference that book multiple times throughout mine as well. Fantastic. And, you know, you, you've done a lot of great things in, in your career to, you know, to be able to write a book and to be able to, to do consulting, you need to have a lot of uh, wisdom and experience and knowing you, I, I've always been impressed uh, by you. And I'd, I'd love to maybe open up a little bit about some of the things that you're most proud of, just even like, you know, the extent that you can share, even uh, like, like textile, for example, um, what are like some of the big wins that you've had there? You've been there for a little while now. Um, like, what are some of the ways that you guys are measuring success and um, the ways that you guys are thinking about customer experience and the wins that you've had in your time there? Yeah, this, this is a hot topic uh, now because as we are coming um, kind of in the middle of or the, at the end of the true pandemic and going to business as, as normal, um, whatever that may be in the future, it's really important to reflect and look at the last couple of years and even before that, um, where we came from, from not only a technology standpoint, but also with regards to customer service and customer experience, but also from a process standpoint and a people standpoint. Um, so at Textile, we, we like to look at kind of three, three legs to the stool or three pillars. And those three legs are uh, people, process, and uh, we call it product, but it's really technology. So you need to have the right people mindset. And it's not necessarily the, the individual people, although star performers and individual talent is extremely important to recruit and maintain. But in reality, that, that pillar is creating an ecosystem for your employees so that they are not only happy with their job, but they can perform their job without a lot of uh, complexity. So making things easier. Um, we haven't done this yet, but it's on our roadmap, which is agent assist. So while they're on a call or chat or email, um, having a, a automation or an AI tell them what the next thing is that they should say or do or what help, article, help suite articles are mo most relevant. Um, in recent months and the last couple of years on the people pillar, we've been focused on making sure they're comfortable working from home, um, making sure they have the, the right resources, not only uh, with technology, but also uh, physically. So 
once the pandemic hit, one of the things that we did for our team members that are out in the Philippines is um, provide them with internet because a lot of them did not have internet at home. So it was not possible for them to work from home and take calls and chats and emails. So one of the things was either providing them with these MiFi cards or, or, uh, or Wi-Fi cards to allow them to work from home and or if they didn't have the capability to do that or didn't feel like they had the physical space at home, we actually rented out uh, room blocks at hotels and allowed them to uh, work out of a hotel in their own personal room and or live out of that hotel and use the hotel's uh, internet to complete their job and their job tasks. So focusing on the people side is extremely important. Um, focusing on process is also important. Process feeds into people very closely, which is making sure that the workflows that they have to do to accomplish a task, they're not, not overinflated, they're not overly difficult. If you can automate, streamline, or uh, make it easier for them to go through those tasks, then by all means, focus on that and do that. And then, of course, uh, product or technology, making sure that they the technology that we use supports um, those two other legs of the stool, that people and process, that they can work from home, that they have two-factor authentication, that they can look at their schedule from a phone so they know what their schedule is like tomorrow or next week, and they could request days off and things like that. So yeah, I would say the successes that we've had at Textile is really on a strategy level focused on, on those three pillars and trying to execute individual tasks and projects to, to accomplish that. That's great. And you touched on a topic that is uh, top of mind for a lot of people, which is what is the future of the contact center? Is it a, is it a, um, you know, is it an on-site environment? Is it a remote environment? Is, a, is it a hybrid environment? Um, COVID obviously impacted things tremendously. People had to figure out how to get agents working from home. Um, you know, some have probably had more success with it than others and, and probably have been inspired to make some changes based on what they've seen. Um, based on your experience, not only within textile, but also just from the clients that you work with, what is the trend that you're noticing? And what do you think if you were to, you know, get out your um, crystal ball, you know, what do you think the future holds? Yeah, the future, it's hard to, to see where we're going and things are changing so rapidly, um, not only with culture and also uh, technology, but just the way that our customers and consumers um, are interacting with us as an organization. So uh, as an example here, and, and everything in the customer service and customer experience world, you have to put your customer hat on and almost secret shop your own organization and then see where potentially the customer expectation will go in the future and then try to be there first. That's the, that's the goal. If you can master that, then uh, you can solve for almost any, any major issue and major problem. So um, if, if I were to do that, I would think that the way that, that our customers are, are, are moving or migrating they want more automation, they want more engagement, they wanna to talk to uh, live humans and they want those um, conversations to be meaningful and not just transactional. If it is transactional, they would like self-service. So they would like to be able to do it themselves or at least feel like they've accomplished something without having to wait for 
a person on hold to answer them or be handheld because it's it's embarrassing when you have a very simple task. Um, let's say you're you're calling a bank to change your uh, your address because you just moved. It's really embarrassing to have to actually ask a real live human to log into a, a web page and then fill out information for you as a consumer. Um, it's less embarrassing if you do it yourself through the, the portal itself or through an app. And it's, it's less embarrassing if you go through a chatbot experience where the chatbot says, let me go ahead and do that for you. What's your address? And then it verifies the address and then fills out the information for you on the other end. So I think you have to think about where the customer expectation is going. A lot of self-service is, uh, is, is important here. Also, um, when, when we're talking to the agents on the other side of the phone, usually it's a little bit more complex. So maybe it's something like, I will call my, um, my mortgage lender and I need to set up um, bi-weekly, or so I should say bi-monthly payments to my, my home mortgage. And I'll need to know, is that gonna reduce it from a 35 year loan to a 30 year loan? Or you know, how much am I paying off on my principal every month, year, or a decade? So those are the questions that I pr would probably want a live person to tell me. And I would want that person to be well-informed. So in the, <clears throat> in, this, in the background, we'll want those agents to be able to have that information readily available using agent assist tools or AI or having tools that aren't hard to, to log into and gather that information. It should be at, at the tip of their finger when, uh, when they're servicing their customers. And speaking of which, with regards to AI, and this, I guess my, my last question for you, um, Artie is, you know, what is the future around AI? It's been a hot topic, I think, for like the last five or six years in contact centers, every event you go to, uh, bought, bought this, bought that, but AI has become more, more than just automating and more than just bots. It's become workflow automation. It's become real-time agent assist. It's become sentiment analysis. It's become a lot of things. Um, what are you most excited about? Um, and what do you think is the future when it, when we think about AI, what is like the right framing upon which contact center executives need to be thinking about it? Yeah, I think AI, I, I'm writing a, a second book. This is a spoiler a little bit or a preview. And my second book is around conversational AI. Um, it's, it doesn't have a full title. It's got a working title right now. And it's, it's about halfway done. I'm, I put it on pause because I wanted to see how AI in the conversational AI world has changed through the pandemic and it's changed drastically in the last 18 months. Um, the, the cool things that I see today, and then I'll also give you, give you guys a little bit of an insight of what, what not to do with AI, um, but I could talk about this topic forever, but I'll, I'll try to be short. I think the cool things that are coming out with AI in the near, if not we're already there, but in the near future, uh, like literally the next month or so, is um, understanding of language and real-time translation um, accompanied with what already exists, which is understanding intent and sentiment. So today we already have speech analytics tool. We have self-service tools like bots that understand the intent of someone's full natural language sentence. Uh, 
you know, if I don't know where my package is, it would go into a where's my order intent. It would know exactly what I'm saying, even if I said it in a very strange and weird and unique way that only I, uh, as a unique individual, would ever say. So that's that's one piece. And then the sentiment, if I'm happy or sad when I'm saying that, um, or mad or frustrated, and there's different variables of, of sentiment and and understanding what someone is saying uh, through lots of different channels. Um, voice is one, but also digital is another interesting one, especially with the uh, uh, emergence of, of social media where someone can say a curse word and it can be a positive or a negative and you don't have the tone or voice inflection behind it to really know. So you have to know the sentence structure and what the, what the person is referencing when they're saying that curse word because they might say something is effing amazing and that's a good thing uh, versus uh, using that in, in the negative. So there's a lot of interesting things happening with AI, taking the AI that we've already built around sentiment and intent um, and then pushing that into multi-language. So uh, what I see as kind of an interesting thing in the near future, and this is what we want to do, at Textile, and this is what I try to consult other uh, other uh, people that I advise that are peers, is to focus on translational conversational AI. So what that means is in real time, someone can be calling in and speaking Spanish on the customer side, and someone can be speaking English on the agent side in real time translation. And I don't just mean Google Translate where it takes what I said and puts it into Spanish and vice versa. Um, actual natural language sentence structure around uh, translation. And once we get to that level, at the contact center level, it's amazing because we'll be able to take really complex language, uh, unique customers and service them through the same uh, individual primary language, let's say it's English for North America, uh, you can have English agents answering all sorts of different other uh, languages and not have to onboard a, a team of people in, um, let's say, Spain to speak uh, Castilian Spanish. I see that as a, a major breakthrough that we're really close to breaking through through AI. Um, and it also has a lot of um, benefits to just beyond the contact center. So having a, a phone be able to translate in real time so that people can travel and, and talk back and forth very easily. So that's where I see it going. That's our primary focus for the rest of this year and next year. Um, and my one caveat that I, I mentioned earlier about conversational AI is take it slow. Um, you're not going to be able to purchase a bot and then flip a switch and then it's going to solve all your problems. You still have to program it. You still have to train it. You have to maintain it. We like to say, treat your bots or your AI like it's an individual human that you just hired. Um, so you want to give it performance reviews. You want to talk about it as if it's an, an actual employee um, with regards to KPIs and performance metrics. Does it understand what the customer wants? Does it uh, perform the tasks that it's being asked to do? Can it perform those tasks? Much like if you were to hire a customer service agent, you wouldn't want to just hire them and say, here's the phones, just start answering and never 
give them quality monitoring, never hold them to KPIs, never give them performance reviews or the ecosystem uh, for them to grow. So that's my only recommendation for AI and bots is that it's not, it's not a tool that you just buy and throw into a closet and hope it solves all your problems. Um, treat it as if it's an actual living and breathing employee of your organization. I think that's a fantastic perspective. Um, I'd like to close out, let you do a little plug. Tell us a little bit about how people can find you, learn more about you, your book, your consulting, and, uh, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way. Uh, I also have a podcast, this customer experience podcast. Jeff, I'm going to, of course, request that you come and, and join us on an episode. You could find me through LinkedIn. Um, I don't necessarily do direct advising or consulting, but if you ever have a question, feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'll give you my, my uh, personal email address or my work email address, and we'll be able to network back and forth. Um, I also speak at, at conferences from time to time. So if you're going to a conference sometime in the near future, if, if that's allowed in North America, and it has to do with contact center, I most likely will be at it uh, either virtually or in person. So feel free to reach out to me that way as well. I also, um, I do have copies of my book as well. So if you're interested in a copy of my book, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll give you a form to fill out. That way we can send you a copy of the book and you won't have to purchase one on Amazon. That's very awesome. Uh, thank you, Artie, for, for joining us. This has been a great episode of uh, Kirchick's Corner. We hope to see you next time. Thank you, Artie, for, uh, for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff, for having me and looking forward to having you on my podcast very shortly. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you, we'll see you next time.